Jesus, we believe the bride's ascending. Out of every nation, there's a call that has went forth out in this day that is calling an elect. That's bringing us to attention and there's a people that is ascending. We're not a part of this fallen world. We're a part of those who have received great favor and grace. We're asking, Lord, tonight that you would anoint us, Father, and anoint the word, Lord, and anoint us to sin. Anoint us, Lord, that our faith might rise to the occasion, to the situations that surround us, to give us overcoming power in this hour. Lord, I pray, God, that you'll move out of across this congregation. Break every chain, Lord. Every, every, every hold or shred of darkness that would want to try to hold God's people back. May there be a breakthrough of the Holy Spirit tonight. May it be, O oh God, that the same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel, that fills our heart tonight, come moving over this congregation. Lord, speak in the hearts and reveal in yourself, manifest in your great glory. We're here to serve you tonight. We're asking for your anointing now, Lord, your presence upon us as we look to you, Father, because only you can help us. I give myself to you tonight. I make my surrender to you, Lord, as I stand in this, before this people, Lord, the purchase of your blood. Lord, I ask your blessings now upon us, cause us to sit in heavenly places. We give this service to you. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. God bless you. If you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 4, we'll read from the 35th verse tonight. Good to have you in the service of the Lord. Be here in the, in the service of the great King of glory, amen. Looking to the Lord tonight to speak to us through the word, amen. Good to see you, William. And man, I was thinking about you today and looked your number up to text you. I see the Lord text you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And the same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And when and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea Obey him. God bless you. Can be seated. 
Tonight I'm speaking to you on awakening our faith. God is looking for faith. I think we have pretty well made that plain, as he said in the scripture himself. These words, I wonder when the Son of Man cometh, will I find faith on the earth? So that is something that God is looking for and God is requiring of this generation uh, that are expecting the coming of the Lord. How many are, are people expecting the coming of the Lord? Amen. Well, God is looking for faith, some real faith. Not just human faith. Human faith is a mental faith. Mental faith is a superficial confession or admission that God's word is true. But real faith comes out of deep sincerity. Something that is free from pretense or deceit or hypocrisy. And I believe that God is looking for sincerity in this day, people that are real. I believe that God wants us to be real, but I also believe the world is looking for somebody that's real. And so faith comes, real faith comes out of deep sincerity. And sincerity means something that is free from pretense or deceit or hypocrisy. You know, it was more sincerity that Brother Branham was told that he would need to have in order to bind the serpent. That serpent representing death as he had seen it in the vision as a black mamba uh, that would bring instant death that was chasing everybody. And, um, and, and he saw that power could be given to bind that serpent. And the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, in order to do this, you're going to have to be more sincere. And as we look toward the end and realize that the power of death is going to have to be broken, then it's going to take a people that is more sincere than ever before. That has a depth of sincerity that others in this foolish Laodicean age doesn't have. Because we live in a world that is full of pretense and deceit and make-believe. And people are making believe that they are something that they're not. But, you know, again, it is sincerity that is going to be required. And Brother Branham made this statement that always meant a lot to me. I wrote this one down when I was just a boy preacher. And this was in the message, All Things in Shreveport, Louisiana, where Brother Branham said um, that God hates powerless religion. It's got to have power in it. And he said it's got to have sincerity, and sincerity brings power. Sincerity brings real worship, not forms, but genuine power worship to know that you pass from death into life. God wants to perform his word by power. And the, the, when the church denies his power, how can he perform and vindicate the word? When the church explains it away and says it was for another day or something, how can God who wants to fulfill his word and perform his word among the people? You know, as I look here at this building tonight um, and, and the marvel that it is, the blessing that it is, the masterpiece that it is, 
As Brother Timothy even told me some uh, a couple of weeks ago or a few days ago when he arrived here and looked around again before stepping out into the pulpit and he just texted me a note and he says, I, I, you know, I'm amazed every time that I come at what God has provided for us. But this building is here because it was built on sincere faith. It was when Brother Gary Steinke, one of our elders, was dying after having surgery uh, on a block colon, and then he uh, was 21 days without food, having had a a colonoscopy there. um, His stomach then wouldn't digest food, and he reached a very low, very weak point where that he was dying. Demons were, came into his room and threatened him. And it actually, when I began to hear about it, I felt in my heart, you know, if God was calling him home, well, you know, I could, I could, I could go with that. I could live with that. I could, I could bear with that. We don't want to give anybody up. But nevertheless, you know, if that's what God's will was and his time was upon the earth, I could, I could go with that. But to have the devil come and torment one of our children, one of God's children, one of our brothers, amen, and, and come with every kind of demon howling in his room and threatening him. I'll tell you what it did. It was a reaction in my life. It made me angry. I got mad at the devil. And, and um, you know, that's another thing. You, you, in order to, to have a victory, you know, you're going to have to get mad at the devil. Amen. You can't remain complacent and content. Too often, you know, we make a truce with the devil and then allow him over and over and over again to violate the terms of the truce. But God told us already not to make a truce with our enemy. Amen. That's the mistake that Joshua did. And the enemy that they were destroyed then was able to live among them and what always caused them grief and trouble, even would occupy the city of Jerusalem for many, many years. For long years afterwards, it was a price they paid for making a truce with the enemy. I'll tell you tonight, we don't want to make any truce with the enemy. Amen. We, we want to be one that, that makes a, it becomes angry enough that we, we, we make a solemn declaration of war against the devil. You'll never have victory in your life until you do it. And my people a lot of times are wanting salvation and they want God to deliver them, but you will never be delivered until you get sick and tired of the sin that you're in and you get mad enough to say, I'm not serving that devil another day longer. There has to be a people that rises there that's got something within them that says, this is enough, enough is enough. We're not putting up with this another day. Now, again, you see, this was Shemgar. He was seed of Abraham. For years, he did nothing while the enemy took away food that his family was to live on. Until one day, he finally got enough. Amen. Oh, that there would be a church here tonight that say, I've had enough. I've had enough of the enemy. I've had enough of him stealing what belongs to me. I've had enough of him taking my joy away. I've had enough of him stealing the victory from the children of God. I've had enough of this. 
Amen. I'm a son of God, a seed of Abraham, even more of a seed of Abraham than Samgar was because I'm a royal seed of Abraham. And today, today, it's enough. I'm through with making peace. Trying to bargain with him. Trying to talk some sense into him. Trying to plead with him. Don't take my baby's food. You know, one day he got enough. And when he got enough, his faith rose to take on the enemy with an ox goat. He didn't take a big weapon. He didn't have to be a trained man. In fact, he didn't have to wait another day. God had been waiting on him all this time. Amen. To say, enough is enough. And to realize his position of sonship. I'm a seed of Abraham and God gave me these promises and God gave me this land and here the enemy is coming and trying to take away what belongs to me. Enough is enough. Now, it's important to know your position in him. It's important that you realize who you are. This is what Shamgar suddenly realized. I'm a seed of Abraham. This ought not be happening to me. I ought not be living like this. I'm living below my privileges. He told me I would possess the gates of my enemies, and I'm not doing it. Amen. And, and so he recognized his position. And I just say to you tonight, isn't it time we recognize our position? But you say, well, Brother Tim, I'm just a carpenter. I'm a farmer. I'm a housewife. I'm, I'm this. I'm going to tell you, you're more than that. Amen. You're a son or a daughter of God. David was not a great king or a great warrior when the, when the bear came after one of his sheep. But it was just the job. You're not taking away what belongs to me. Amen. When David saw the bear, his anger rose up within him. And he said, no, sir, you're not taking a sheep. Amen. No, sir, you're not taking what belongs to me. That ought to be the children of God tonight that we look at a promise and we say, no, sir, that promise is not taken away from me. I'm going to receive everything God gave in his word. It's mine. It's for me. It's for the believer. Hallelujah. Now, when he stepped out to meet Goliath, he wasn't a king. He wasn't a warrior. He was just... A young man that believed, that understood his position. Amen. I am a circumcised. Come on. I am a circumcised Israelite. That means I am in covenant with God. How many tonight can say, I'm in a covenant with God? By the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I am a circumcised believer. I am in a covenant with God. We see the others were in a covenant with God too. But they failed to realize and recognize. And instead of being, when, they, when Goliath came back and forth screaming and taunting and yelling obscenities and mocking their God instead of making them angry and made them afraid. But it had a different reaction on David. It didn't make him afraid. It made him mad. 
It made him mad enough to say, I'll go fight him. Amen. Because David would say, I would rather die fighting him and trusting God's word than I would letting this enemy make his boast against my God. Amen. You know, the three, the three Hebrew children we preach about many times, they were not great prophets. They weren't even known men when they refused to bow down before the gods of Nebuchadnezzar. They were just basically unknown kids who refused to bow down. We're not doing it. There comes a time you have to draw the line in the sand. Say, we're not crossing this. That enemy's not crossing this. Amen. I'm, I'm through with letting him destroy me or destroy my family or you know, bring, bring all of this trouble in my life. I'm through with it. I'm through with him ruling over me with some pornography devil or some temptation that wants to hold me down or, or some other thing. I, I'm through with it. Today, I'm through with it. Amen. The moment that you get through with it, that's when God moves. The moment that you move in faith toward that promise, that's when God moves back on your behalf. That'll move God. You know, Brother Gary, laying there in that hospital bed that 21 days, he did a lot of soul searching. He just couldn't get to faith. He kind of described it as like having an anchor that was just bumping along at the bottom of the ocean. And it wouldn't take hold. You ever been in situations like that? It just seemed like, you know, you cast your anchor. You're trying to take a hold of the promise. And it's just bumping along. Not really taking hold. Not getting a root. Not getting a grasp. And, you know, the, the next little wind or next little doctor's report or the next little problem, you know, blows you, blows you away further. And that day... But that day, um, when, when I walked into his hospital room that day, his rope, listen to me carefully, his rope of sincerity let the, the anchor of faith down to depths that when the Holy Spirit came and anointed me to speak, the devil had to go. You know, the same thing can happen in a service like this. It can happen for those who are lost, needing the Holy Ghost, whatever the situation is, sick in your body. Amen. If, if you just let the rope of sincerity down far enough, amen, your faith will get a hold of a solid rock, and then you won't be blown around when the storms come. Have an anchor. Now, as I mentioned before, we've had a great gift that was shown in our generation. William Branham's gift was to stimulate faith. It did not heal. It only caused your faith to rise. And Brother Branham would explain it, and I want to use that again. He said it would be like people thinking that they got faith. But he said... Um, you know, they're, they're way down here saying they got faith. It isn't up here. And he said it's like tuning a string 
on an instrument. But when it comes and coincides with this up here, then the thing is ready. Any demon that's got that person bound has to turn loose when that type of faith comes. So that's what we want God to do is to take the faith in us, tighten it down until it, until it matches the same tune as the word till you can sing the words of God to the tune of your faith. Come on, church. Amen. That's exactly right. Now, Brother Branham told us in perfect faith, he said that he was trying to get our, uh, you know, the church to go up higher. And that's what I'm trying to do by ministering on these things. I want to see our church go up another notch higher. Amen. I want to see God pull on the, on the strings and tighten it up. Amen. Until that what, our faith matches the word of God. Amen. Until there's a spirit of God breaks forth. Oh, if it would break forth tonight. Amen. If it would break beyond your barriers of unbelief and you would break into the spirit of God and be lifted up on eagle's wings and fly above your troubles. Oh, he can do it tonight. But it takes that moment of sincerity. It takes that, that moment of putting away pretense of just going to church, just taking in another service, just, you know, just going to the motions of religion and become down to the depth of a sincerity. Brother Branham would use this in perfect faith, and he said that he was preaching that. You know, I love Brother Branham's message. I love the way he did things. He didn't just preach on the seals and the thunders and the mysteries revealed and, and then, you know, just leave it there, but he, he preached a very balanced message. He would come right back and preach on perfect faith. How can I overcome? Is your life worthy of the gospel? Amen, or, you know, many, many other sermons like that, that he didn't just always preach, you know, up here in some deep, mysterious realm, but he would bring it right down then into a practical life and practical living. Amen, because if it doesn't change you in your life, it hadn't done you very much good. Amen, if it don't cause you to live a Christian life, it's failed. All the revelation of the mysteries has failed you if it doesn't bring you into a Christ-like relationship. Now, notice he said, I'm trying to get the church into a place where we can see, we can really see apostolic times moving among us. That's what we all hunger. I hope there's people hungry for that. Amen. And it's just laying right at the door. We see it, but we want to see more of it. We want to see it flow until it be a help to us and, and to flow out to others. I know you desire that tonight. Brother Branham would tell us in a sermon about the latter day. And he said, the world's in the latter day spirit, but the church is not. And he said, in other words, we may be in a portion, but God wants the church so to be in the spirit until they just fit anywhere that God wants to lead them. Amen. And he said, that, he said, look 
at the places, eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, the morals that are in the world. And the devil has sent down his troops in the latter-day spirit. But we ministers haven't got the church yet in that spirit, and we must get be in that condition in order to be caught away in the rapture when he comes back. So I think it's the job of the ministry to get the people in the spirit of the last days. Amen. And the, the spirit for this last day, this is a rapture age. This is a time where the bride is ascending. This is a time where we need to be progressing spiritually and advancing in God. Come on. Amen. Now, Brother Branham said, you know, we always talk about how bad the world is and how wicked the world is. And he said, that's true. But look how great the church is getting all the time. He said, we fail to look at that side. Amen. So I just want to tell you, friends, if you see the world out here like this, God ain't slack concerning his promise. Amen. There's a church ascending. Amen. You've got to decide, I want to be a part of that ascending church. I want to move forward in advancement. I want to, I want to go forward in Christ. I want my, my faith to be anchored and tied with that rope of sincerity that when the troubles come, I can stand in that hour. Now, it's true. We have advanced. And I want to just say to you, since the seals are open, the whole word is open to you. Amen. But we are still at war with the Laodicean spirit that makes, wants to make us a faithless generation. A generation is an offspring to make us then a faithless offspring. And, and a faithless offspring is a dead offspring. It is a powerless religion. Oh, what the devil would like to do to take this great message God sent us so vindicated with signs and wonders and power and the working of the Holy Spirit and turn it in just to a, a powerless morgue that is lifeless. The world we live in is full of pretense. Full of make-believe. You've never seen such a time that you can enter into make-believe so easily. Just on your, your devices that you have, you know, on the, the iPad, the iPhone, the, or the whatever, what, whatever you have. The computer, the television, that you can enter right into a realm of make-believe. Amen. When we, when we look at that, we, we see the world we're living in. Women are not genuine. They're trying to be something they're not. They're trying to be masculine and not feminine. That's why, they, that's why the, the hair has become short. That's why there's cross-dressing and they're wearing man's apparel. That's why they're going away around with a painted-up facade because they're trying to make belief there's something that they're not. Are you with me? On the other hand, men are not genuine. They don't know who they are. They're being pushed more and more and more into being feminine. And, and yet then when we come down to church, the church is becoming more and more backslidden, just a formality. And that's why we must come back to faith. Amen. Amen. A living faith. 
of living faith that works. William Branham's gift was to stimulate faith. It didn't heal. It only caused your faith to rise. As we said, it simply tuned one's faith. Amen. And so, you know, there again, he said, it's like, you know, they're saying they got faith, but it's like tuning a string on an instrument. But when it comes and coincides with this up here, the thing's ready. Any demon that's got the person bound has to turn loose when that type of faith comes. So you, so you, get, you get it again. You know, you may have had enough faith to, to believe on Jesus and accept his pardon. But, you know, let him tune that faith till it leads you into to a sanctified life, to a Holy Ghost filled life. Until that you are matching what the scripture said. There's more for you than where you're at. I mean, there's some of you that are so out of tune that you don't make no, no tune at all. It's not even a good twang. And I'll tell you, God wants to tune you. God wants to take you from where you are. And make something out of you that, that brings a melody of his grace instead of a sound of disgrace. Now, so you see, we, we must then awaken that faith. If you notice in our text tonight, Jesus was there with them, but he was asleep on the boat. Amen. Now, Brother Bradham told us in Awakening Jesus, he said, uh, I'm taking this little simple thought, awaken Jesus. Lord, we have not used his spirit and his faith so long until it merely goes to sleep as it was in our souls. You know, it's bad enough for you to go to sleep on a pew when I'm preaching. But for your faith to go to sleep. For, your, for the spirit of God that is supposed to be in you to become dormant in your life, not active. That's bad. And we want to awaken that faith. We want to be able to use that sense of faith. You know, it's the sixth sense. Man was made on the sixth day. Adam used that sense of faith to operate in the, the supernatural realm. It's like, you know, tonight if you would put your hand over your eyes and for a moment you would lose a dimension to this room that was once there. You might hear voices, you might feel the pew, or you might feel the person next to you and reach, you might could smell, you might could hear different things, but, but you would lose a whole dimension to this room. That, that, you're, that you're supposed to have within your body. You're supposed to have the sense of sight. And the sense of sight brings near to you things that you're, you're hearing, you know, it, it keeps in a distance or your, your um, feeling, it, it cannot reach. Your sense of sight can reach out and bring that near. Some of you that I can't touch right now, because you're out there and away from me sitting in the congregation, but yet your, my sense of sight brings you present. It makes you real. 
Amen. Now, so if you get that right down, then we, we have, of course, the five senses in the body, but the sixth sense was, the, was faith, and that was what we were to operate in the realms of the supernatural, was with faith. And faith brings near what we cannot touch or feel or hear. Faith brings present what you cannot otherwise contact. Amen. So, so again, let me just say to you, you see, if you, you've got to have that sixth sense. And if Brother Brandon said, if you don't use a sense, he shared with us, it, it will go dormant on you. Amen. And he said, that's what the church has done with the sixth sense. They got to the point they don't use their faith. So therefore, it is it's something hardly used, so it's weak. It's like, it's like binding your arm up and holding it there for six months, bound up next to you, and it loses muscle. It loses power. It you loses youth. If you kept that tied up long enough, you'd lose complete use of it, even if it was untied. It'd get where you couldn't even bend it out. You couldn't even work the joints because it got bound up. And faith that gets bound up, it'll become useless. It'll become powerless. It'll become so weak that it's of no value. It becomes dormant. It must be used. Amen. Now, Brother Branham told us, he said, that's what the church has done to the sixth sense. God put in him. He just placed faith off. And, and he just placed faith off and miracles and signs and the things that contacts God and gives him the Holy Ghost and things. He's placed that off there back over somewhere else till the thing has become dead. That's right. He don't know how to use it. The thing's just nothing to him. You say, well, God's a healer. Well, what about that? He's a healer. Yeah, we, you know, we make a, you know, kind of nod to that. Yeah, yeah, you know, we believe that. But if he ever was a healer, he says, amen, he's still a healer. If he ever was a savior, he's still a savior. If he ever was God, he's still God. He said it's a lack of faith that's been preached into the people that makes them let that sixth sense, which is faith, lay dormant. We sure don't want to be guilty of doing that. Amen. No, we want the faith to be active in our lives. Now, you know, there again, he says in his prayer, he said, we're supposed to be the children of Abraham, and what a poor excuse we are. Oh, God, wake up the sixth sense in this church among these people tonight. And I say that's even more important. Right here in 2018. And that ought to be our prayer tonight. For this service tonight. Oh God, wake up the sixth sense in this church. Amen. May may it come active when we see God among us. You say, Brother Jim, you you see God among you. You know, and we can go down through testimony. I'm not trying to tell you you're faithless. I'm saying we see it, but we want to see more of it. Satan's pressing in. His kingdom is 
thriving and moving and influencing, then why can't we be influenced by God? Now, Brother Branham said, faith is that thing that subdues kingdoms, wrought righteousness, that does all kinds of miracles and signs of that sixth sense. Wake it up. Take the bandage off your spiritual eyes and look around and see if you can't see that God still remains God. Amen. Now, you know, that, that's the deal with Laodicea. Laodicea is an age of blindness where that God becomes something in the distant past that's out of the reach of the believer. But God wants you to know tonight that, that, you, that he has set you free and opened up your eyes where you can see things that other ages was not able to see. You can see in the spiritual dimension things that others have never were able to see. As I was preaching Sunday, when, the, when the Zachariah's vision there, when, when there was that awakening come on, he began to see candlesticks and he began to see um, the, 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 the lights of, of that candlestick. All of these things, they were always there. Amen. They were already there. All he had to do was be awakened. And I'm trying to tell you tonight, God's already here. He don't have to come from glory. He's here in this church tonight. But our eyes have got to be open to it. Amen. There's got to be an awakening of our faith. To realize who it is that's present among us. We talk about him being the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he's going to be that to somebody. And it might as well be you. Amen. Now, so Brother Bradham told him, told us, he said that as he was in discernment, he said, I'm just contacting your spirit. I want you to believe this, that God knows all things. What he's trying to do is get you in a condition. Get you in a condition to receive him as your healer. Just something to stimulate the faith that is in you. For being a Christian is there. Somebody with me tonight? Being a Christian is there. Amen. But it may be laying dormant. So he said, I'm just going to talk to you a minute. Being the first patient is always, I like to take time to the patient until I know his presence is there. And then I just start praying for the people because, listen to this, if they will halfway believe, they'll get a blessing. Hallelujah. Halfway believe. If we will halfway believe, we'll get a blessing. Amen. Well, what could we receive if we would fully believe? Amen. If we let our rope of sincerity down far enough. Amen. Till it would grip a promise of God that we can hold on to. So, well, I've tried, Brother Tim. I've been to the altar. I, I cried tears. I prayed and whatever. And I'm right back out doing the things that I, 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 I repented of. Well, there's the problem. The problem is, is your faith never took a hold. 
Maybe he bumped it long enough just to hold for a few days and, you know, the first friends that come by and pulled you off or the first winds that blowed and the first little storm that comes pulls you one direction or another. You become, you know, you become just like, you know, all sails and no anchor, whatever way the wind blows, that's what you are. You know, I've seen people say, well, let's go get drunk. Okay, I'll go. Yeah, we'll go get drunk. We're going to party tonight. Okay, let's all go party. We're going to church tonight. Okay, let's all go to church. You know, I've seen people, whatever you want to do, you know, I'm, I'm game for it. You see, but, but just going to church ain't going to do it. Amen. Just coming and wetting a few tears is not going to do it. It's going to be, get that rope of sincerity. Let it down. Some people are afraid it'll take hold. They're afraid they'll have to give up their makeup. They're afraid they'll have to give up their friends. They're afraid, a young lady afraid she'll have to dress like a young lady instead of these, instead of this Hollywood stuff out here. They're afraid of what they're going to do. Let me tell you something. The winds will blow and blow you right into shipwreck. Because the winds, the storms are coming. And the little storms you've seen ain't nothing to what you're going to see. You got to stimulate the faith that's in you. Because he said, being a Christian, it may be laying there dormant. If we can get you to halfway believe, you'll get a blessing. If you just kind of, if, if tonight you just would believe just a little bit, whatever little bit you would believe, God's going to bless you. Amen. If you let it down all the way to where he hit the promise, amen, you would get fulfillment in your life. But you're going to get as much as you will give. If you will believe as much as you will believe, God's going to give it to you. Now, speaking of this, Brother Branham said, God is waiting and trying and pressing to get at the mystery of God revealed to his church. And that's what holding the coming of Christ now, holding back the coming of Christ now and the great millennium is that this great supernatural power that really lays dormant in the church. Well, I think we got a great reservoir. I think we got a great faith bank to pull from. I just think it needs to be activated. God's word is still true. He says this in Psalms 89 34. He says, my covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that is gone out of my lips. In other words, anything that God said, you can take it to the bank. If there's a failure anywhere, it's on your part. It's never on God's part. Because he said, my covenant I will not break. I'll not break my word. I'll not alter the word that has gone out of my lips. 
Anything that God said, whether it was today, 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, or whenever it was said, is still just as alive and real. Come on now. Amen. Still as powerful as it was when it rolled off his lips the first time. I'm telling you, the word of God is dynamic in power. Oh my, that ought to got this whole people on their feet of shouting tonight. Because you're a people to whom the word has been restored. Hallelujah, you don't just have a Baptist word or a Methodist word or a part word. You've got every word and every promise of God at your disposal. The seals have been taken off the book. The mysteries have been given to a people. The title deed has been put in your hands. You know, we have here before us tonight the King James Version of the Bible. This Bible, God bless you, Brother George Hamilton gave it to me one, one, one year. It's a Schofield Bible. The King James Version of the Bible, it has an even number of scriptures in it, or verses. It has an even number. It actually has 31,102 verses. And in, the, in, the, in, their, in, this, in the contents of this, there are over 7,000 promises laying there waiting for your faith to take a hold of. Amen. Now, if you would turn to the two middle verses of the Bible, you find this is going to be in Psalms 103, verse 1 and 2. Remember, it's even. So, so therefore, the middle verses are, there, there, there are two middle verses in the King James Bible. And Psalms 103 breaks it right in the middle, which means that this scripture is the center of God's word, and it's to be kept in the center of your focus. Amen. As you go toward victory, as we move in faith, God is speaking, let us hear his word. Let's look at Psalms 103 just a moment. Let's see what lays right in the center. Amen. If I could get you centered on this scripture tonight, I'll tell you there would be victory in this church. Amen. First of all, it tells you Psalms 103 verse 1, bless the Lord all my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Amen. That is, uh, that is the first verse of the middle of the Bible. Amen. And everything that you go through and situations that you endure, we are to do what? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Not holding anything back. See, that's why many Christians start out and they fail is because they reserve a part of themselves for still the world. But it's got to be with all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Amen. And what? Next verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You see, when you belong to him, there are benefits by belonging to him. Amen. There is healing because it's one of our benefits. 
There's the Holy Ghost. It's one of our benefits. Amen. There's our children because it's one of our benefits. There's every divine promise of God because it's one of our benefits. So bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Amen. You're beneficiaries of him. He provides for you. He supplies all of your needs. Amen. You need something tonight? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Are you with me now? So bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The benefit of the world and servant sin is drunkenness and fornication and adultery and death. And the list goes on and on and on and on. You think the devil's your friend? He wants to take you and make a drug head out of you. He wants to pull you down into the very depths of sin and take your morals away from you and just trash your life. And there's only one hope. And that is for you tonight to start blessing the Lord and not forgetting not all his benefits. God, there's benefits that comes by serving you. By putting God first, it'll make you, make, make you successful in, in spite of everything the devil tries to do to you. By the way, that's a quote. That's the center. But let's go on with these center verses here. And this center chapter here, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefit. Who forgives all thine iniquities? You know, it doesn't matter what shape you are when you came in this building tonight and all the iniquity you say, iniquities, what's iniquity? Well, it's doing things that you knew better than to do and you did it anyway. But this God will forgive all of thine iniquities. Amen. And look what else he does. And he healeth all of thy diseases. Amen. This is a God that I preached about Sunday that can give a mental capacity back to a little girl five years old and make her able to go to school because God can heal. Amen. God can deliver. No matter what your problem is or how old you are, even if you're a 92-year-old Dow, Bill Dow lying in a hospital, he can resurrect you up out of there to live a productive life. This God is a powerful God. He heals all diseases. <laughs> Hallelujah. Who heals all? How many? This is all inclusive. He heals all. He heals sin disease. He heals mind disease. He heals heart disease. He heals soul disease. This God heals. What's now? What else does he do? And he, he redeems. He redeems thy life from destruction. Amen. Headed for destruction. Headed on down for more, uh, more heartache in the devil's hotel. 
You're on your journey down. You're, doing, you're, you're falling. You're, you're, you're going over and over and over. But if you can turn and look, amen, and that's repentance. It's turning around. And you can see he'll redeem your life from destruction. And then he will crown you with loving kindness and tender mercy. I tell you what a great God we serve tonight. What a merciful Savior. What amazing grace. Who crown us, you, with loving kindness and tender mercies. Oh, that's not all. But he satisfies. Oh, Brother Joe, he satisfies. You remember, you were in the world. Brother Aaron, you remember, you were in the world. Nothing satisfied. Nothing satisfied what you were longing for in your heart. But when you found him, Hallelujah, he satisfies. I'm telling you tonight, he's a satisfied portion. You will never want the world. You'll never want sin. You will never want to be a slave to the devil anymore. Amen, because he satisfies. Amen, he satisfied thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like eagle. Every old person, every young person, everybody in this building ought to shout it right then. That's his benefit to take you and renew you like the eagle. I don't care how beat down you've been. I don't care how discouraged you've been. I don't care how long you've been blown down by the world. He will renew you like the eagle and make you young again. Oh, you're concerned about your hair coming back. You're concerned about your colors. You know, you're concerned about wrinkles. I'll tell you what youth I want. Oh, is that newborn experience. Amen. That refreshing of the Holy Ghost. That renewing of the power of God. Amen. To bring back that first love again. Psalms 107, 19 says, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. You know, there's a secret to some of this. You've got to cry out to God. You know, you, you reach for the wrong things. A person in sin keeps reaching for more sin, more drink, more more. Of, of the world's pleasure, more I mean, reaching out to your friends for consolation. They can't give you consolation. They have nothing to give. I mean, what, what, cons- what consolation is it that you two are, are headed down to hell together? What kind of consolation is that? Amen. But they that cry to the Lord in their trouble, he saveth them out of their distresses. Amen. If you're sick tonight, this is for you. Amen. If you're discouraged tonight, this is for you. If you're distressed in any matter, this is for you. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. I want you to get this next verse and get your shouting shoes on now. He sent his word. I want to ask you, what was Malachi 4 for? What was Revelation 10, 7 for? What was this message restored for? He sent his word. What for? To heal them. To heal them. And to deliver them from their destruction. 
Amen. That's what this message will do for a life. Amen. That's what he sent this message for. He's to heal, deliver, heal, deliver. Didn't God send his word in our age? He sent his word for healing. He sent it for deliverance. Well, I find faith. God did this. He sent his word so we wouldn't be a faithless generation. The whole purpose of Malachi 4 was to turn our hearts back to faith. Did somebody remember that? Amen. We think, oh, it come to bring us theology. It turned our hearts back to faith. Amen. So that we wouldn't be a faithless offspring, a faithless generation. He sent Elijah before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord to turn our hearts back to active faith. God wants us to have faith. God wants a people that will believe. How many is ready to believe? How many is ready for your faith to become active? Get it out of its dormant condition that it's been in. Become productive. Because faith without works, without being productive is dead faith. So Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So, if you got a pad and pencil and you want to write some of these down, I'm going to go through them kind of hurry. It's Wednesday night, and, and I tend to get bogged down on some things sometimes, but tonight we're, we're trying just to strike these things as hard as we can just for the next little bit. But faith is the title deed of things that are hoped for. Without faith, you don't have a title to it. Amen. You're hoping for it. You're hoping for relief. You're hoping for salvation. You're hoping for healing. But without faith, you don't have a title to it. So faith is the title of things that are hoped for. Now, it's the evidence of things that are not seen. So when God can get you to believe, amen, it's the evidence of what you can't see is about to become visible. In other words, it's the open of the eyes to bring that which is far near. Did somebody get that? Well, if you didn't, I'm not repeating it. But notice, you know, the Bible tells you faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So that's Romans 10, 17, if you're writing it down. You see, we have heard the word And that's what God gave us in this day was his word. Then we become people of faith. We don't get the word and then become faithless. We get the word and then have faith. Now this is what God did in this day. He said faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So by bringing us the message should not not produce less faith. And an inactive faith or dormant faith, it ought to produce active faith and a greater faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. 
He would tell you and, and again that without faith is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So that's Hebrews eleven six. Our faith then gives a witness that we please God. The only way that you're going to please God is having faith. Now you can say I believe all I want to, but if it's all out of tune, you know, there again, you know, some, some will come to an altar and their faith is so out of tune. You know, they come down there and they say, well, you know, I, I, I want to do this. You know, my, my parents are wanting me to be a better person. My grandparents are, you know, wanting me to change. And, you know, but in my heart, you know, and it's all out of tune. You pull on that string and it, it don't even make a decent sound. It's got to be tuned up. And when your faith equals God's word... And is in tune with his word, then your faith gives witness that you please God and God moves on your behalf, bringing the deliverance, Holy Ghost, whatever it is that you're asking for. Now, again, we know this. We have, we're born of God and whoever's born of God overcomes the world. I hope you got that. Every one of us that are born of God overcome the world. We're not defeated by the world. We overcome it. Amen. And he said, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Amen. That's 1 John 5 and 4 for your reference. He would say again, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. That's 1 Timothy 6, 12. So lay hold on life. Fight and lay hold. Take possession of. Amen. Lay hold on on life. In other words, be tenacious. Be unshakable. Be be perseverant. Refuse to give up. Come on. Faith is is something that that, that has muscles and hair on its chest. It's burly. It stands up for its rights. Are you with me now? Brother Brandon would talk about this in the Queen of Sheba. And he said, um, you can pin your arm up and and don't use it for a few months and find out what happened. It gets so weak it can't be used. That's what the church has done with these things, all the gifts of God. You just pin them up. They're not usable. Let them loose. Exercise faith. Get some muscles in it. Let me tell you, faith has got hair on the chest. Oh my, when faith speaks, everything else sets down. That's right, when it speaks, everything else shuts up. The body, now, now, so that this is exactly, faith has got to be something that will not give up, that will not quit, that is not a coward, that won't back up from a promise of God. It holds on. Are you with me? Amen. The Bible said that, uh, again that there was a blind man that came to Jesus and asked for healing. He said, well, do you believe that I'm able to do this? You know, that's, that's one of the questions you've got to have answered. Amen. Before you can come to God for salvation, you've got to believe that he's able to save you. That he's able to take a wretched person like you and make a son of God or daughter of God out of him. I'll tell you, God took some pretty nasty creatures, amen, and made some real princes out of them. This is God's special speciality that he is, he, is, he is a specialist at doing 
Take people that are rotten down to the core that, that, that Satan is just about, you know, wants, wants to cast aside. They're almost of no use at all. Amen. And God takes a wrecked life and makes something out of it. Amen. I'm not saying that so you'll go wreck your life so God can make something. I'm saying that if your life is wrecked, God can make something out of it. Amen. So the, the blind man asked him, he asked him, Lord, do you believe I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. I'm asking you tonight, do you believe he's able to meet your need tonight? If you're sick, do you believe he's able to meet that need? If you've got a condition in your body, in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit, or in your family, whatever it is, do you believe he's able to do it? Amen. They said, yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. What? You believe I'm able? Yes. You say, I need a touch from God. God's touching you this whole service. Reaching right out. Touching this one. Touching that one. Speaking to this one. Speaking to that one. Come on. This is our God. Amen. He's touching you, but it's going to be according to your faith as to what it will do for you. People walk out of a service and say, well, that was a good service. But, they, but they never, their faith never acknowledged that God had done something in their life. We all know that, that's Matthew 9, 28, but we all know of the Syrophoenician woman. Brother Bradham preached the whole sermons on perseverance. This is a very key sermon that he preached about not giving up, about holding on to a promise, about a Syrophoenician woman that was even told, it's not for you. Are you with me? Amen. And, and, and so this Syrophoenician woman, he, he even called her dog. And said she wasn't worthy. It wasn't even for her. I'm not even sent to you. And she wouldn't take no for an answer. Come on. You know, sometimes God tests us and things like that, and you've got to come to a place you're not taking no for an answer. Do you know Brother Bradham said prayer would even change the mind of God? Now, we know God has a word, but listen, he, he gave it to a to, to Hezekiah one day, and he says, Hezekiah, here's the word of the Lord to you. Make your, make your affairs right. You're, you're fixing to come home. Yep. Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and begins to pray. And God sent the prophet back and said, okay, Hezekiah, you're not going to die. God's extent, heard your prayer and extended your life. Amen. I just... I just, I just, heard, you know, just read of, of, a, of a story the other, uh, here, here this week of a testimony where Brother Branham, I believe he was in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And um, he, he, he was there and, and uh, he gets a, he's praying for the sick and there's many needs that are there. And, and um, you know, he, 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 um, uh, here, he, he has a vision and he sees a, a man and a, and, and a woman in this vision. And God speaks to him, said, don't go with him. His time has come. 
Just a few minutes, the phone rings, and one of his managers said, there's a man here to fly you to another city, take you there for one day and come back with you so you can be in the meeting tonight if you just come pray for, for his friend. He's the postmaster in Memphis, Tennessee, and a plane is right here ready to take you. And Brother Branham, the, the man got on the phone and started telling Brother Branham, Brother Branham interrupted him and said, it's no use, said, God didn't show me the man's going to die. He said, what, you mean there's no hope? Won't you come pray for him? He said, no. He said, his time is up, and, and, and that's the word of the Lord. And he said, but however, he said, we, we'll just, he said, well, he's near death now. He could be dead right now. He said, you know, and he said, yeah, and he could be dead before you can get back home. He said, I, that's all I know is what God told me. The angel told me. And he said he, he went there, was praying in the, in the meetings and praying for the needs. And the next morning, the man called and, and he, he said, Brother Branham said, I'm just going to call you. But just before he does, Brother Branham sees a man dressed in a brown suit and a, and a woman. A woman is sitting in his room. You know, he wakes up to this. A woman's in his room. And she's, she's uh, uh, you know, looking and she's smiling. She's looking over and she's got a brown uh, dress on with a white waistband on. And she's looking over at a man that is sitting there or standing there with a brown suit and a red tie. And they're looking at one another and nodding their heads at each other. And Brother Branham started, so how did you get in my room? And he realizes he's in a vision. And he turns, as he wakes, gets out of the vision, he turns to his Bible to read. And he, he turns to Hezekiah and that prophecy there that had been given. And then the prophet had to go back and say, God's extended it. Hey, I'm trying to tell you, friends, tonight, that if you've got a need in your life, that it looks like you're up against a wall. And it looks hopeless to even where a prophet of God, like in Hezekiah's day, says, hey, you're going to die. Your time's up. Make your affairs ready. I'm telling you that you, you can actually begin to call on God, and God will move on your behalf. It's still dependent on your faith. And that friend of that man the postmaster in Memphis would not give up. He called the next morning. He said, Brother Branham said, you know, um, have you heard anything from the Lord? And Brother Branham said, does that man, that man that you know, does he dress in a brown coat and, and, and brown suit and wears a red tie? He said, yeah, that's the way he dresses all the time. Said his wife said, does she wear a brown, does she have a brown uh, dress and have a white sash? And he said, well, yeah, said she does. Matter of fact, that's the way she's dressed right now. And he said, well, then you take me to Memphis, Tennessee, because he said, thus saith the Lord, that man's going to live. Yeah. Hallelujah. We're talking about a God that you can move, that can, a high priest that can be touched even when your time is up. God can extend your days. The Syrophoenician woman, 
she got told, you're a dog. It ain't for you. It'll never happen for you. I wasn't sent to minister to you. She was undeterred. Because she had perseverant faith. She wasn't giving up on her girl. Her daughter was grievously vexed with the devil. And she had had enough. She was mad enough. She become tenacious. She began holding on to that promise. She, she was laying a hold of life. And she wouldn't let go of Jesus. If there would be people in this building tonight that say, I'm not letting go of Jesus till he blesses me tonight, till he gives me what I have needed in my life, I tell you, God would move on the scene for you. You could turn the very heart of God toward your situation. Brother Branham said, that's what the whole world needs. That's what you need. That's what I need. And we ought to be ashamed to admit it. But we need a faith that will hold to God's word and say it's true. And meet the devil and say, thus saith the Lord. You see, remember, you remember the story Brother Ron has, has made it pretty famous, used it pretty often. By the way, he gives his greetings tonight. I spoke to him as I drove up. I was talking to him on the phone as I drove up into the parking lot. But he said I was, Brother Branham told this story. He said I was reading about a man that said the devil got before him and, and uh, said he was just a little bitty old devil. And he just said, boo. He said, I jumped back. He said, boo again. And I jumped back. And every time he'd holler, boo, I'd jump back. And he'd get bigger and I'd get littler. And he kept saying, boo. And I'd get smaller every time when I jumped back. And he'd get bigger. Don't that sound about right? Amen. The more you back up, the bigger your problem gets. The more the devil comes against you. Amen. But he said, I thought, he said, I knew I was going to have to fight him after a while. And I looked and, and I saw something there. He said, I saw the word of God. Amen. And I rolled it in my hand and the devil said, boo. And I said, boo back. And he said, the devil said, boo. And I said, boo back. And he got smaller and I got bigger. He said, you're going to have to fight him sooner or later. Amen. But he just kept saying, boo, taking the word and say, take that devil, take that one devil, take that one devil, until the devil disappeared. Amen. He was too small, so small that he couldn't even stay in the room with him anymore. Hallelujah. The woman with the issue of blood. We all know that. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. I'll be made well. Jesus turned around and said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. We know the story of the centurion. Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done to you. His servant was healed. Blind man come to him and, 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 said, and he said to him, What do you want me to do? That's a good question for us tonight. What do you want God to do for you? 
Amen. The blind man said, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. It would say, this is Mark 10, 51. And, and now coming to Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say to you whatsoever things you ask. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. It would speak of Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. That's Acts 6 and 8. That's the way believers are to be. Full of great faith and power. How many deacons do we have in the church tonight? That's the kind of deacon you're supposed to be. Amen. Notice it speaks of the prophets who subdued kingdoms. Work righteousness, obtain promises, stop the mouth of lion, quench the violence of the fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, made, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. That's what faith did. It was Daniel. They would say, my God, send his angel and shut the lion's mouth. So that they have not hurt me. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. He would say in Acts chapter 3 that his name through faith in his name has made this man, this crippled man strong. Yes, the faith that comes through him has given him the perfect soundness in the presence of you all. He would again say in the scripture, for some, the children of Israel coming out, the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. So now, again, these, these people had received a prophet, a message in Exodus. But unless the word that come through the prophet was mixed with faith, it didn't profit. Didn't help them none. Amen. The Bible would say, again, we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. And the Bible would say in Matthew 13, 58, he did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. So if you go to see God work, you're going to have to believe. Amen. It's not enough to receive the word. You've got to mix it with faith. God did his part. He sent the word. But now you've got to do your part and mix faith with it. Now, there are several things that can make our faith inactive. And faith that don't work is dead faith. And in our story tonight that we read in our scripture text, Jesus asked when they woke him up, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And I just want to ask it to, you know, why is it? Why is it after the opening of the eyes of the blind, giving hear to, hearing to the deaf, making the paralyzed walk, healing situations that were impossible? Cancer's patients on their deathbed, so bad they were in cots in the meeting and drawing their last breath. Like Hattie Raw, um, I believe it was Hattie Waldorf there, was, was there in the prayer line one night. The doctors had given her up to die. She was on a cot. She was breathing her last breath. 
she said to her husband, if I die, you take me through that prayer line. And she made her husband promise, if I die, you're still going to take me through that prayer line. And on her way through the prayer line, she quit breathing. And they couldn't find a pulse for her. And as far as we know, she was dead. Are you with me? Amen. But their husband went right on believing and brought his wife, a dead woman, on a cop through the prayer line and she walked up from their shield, walking off of that platform for the glory of God because somebody wouldn't quit believing, because somebody wouldn't take a no for an answer, because somebody held on, kept holding on. Brother Branham said, the worst thing the devil can put upon you is fear. Wait a minute. Oh, I think... uh, well, it could be cancer, or it could be a crippled condition, it could be a muscular dysphoria, like Lou Garrett's, or, you know, where you become a prisoner in your body, that's the worst thing the devil could, no, the worst thing the devil can put on you is fear. If you even had a cancer and didn't fear and believe God would heal you, you wouldn't be in too bad a shape. Hallelujah, God can take it. God take care of that. If you were sick, whatever it is, if you don't, didn't fear. So fear is one of the worst things that Satan can place upon the person. Amen. Now, again, that's why we need faith to hold on to God's word and say it's true. And meet the devil and say, it's thus said the Lord. Oh, but Brother Tim, you know, today, my goodness, um, there's so many mysteries revealed and the seals are open and we've got the truth and, you know, the message. We've got a rapture message. We, you know, we outgrown that. You know, we, we've left miracles and healing and all of that way behind. What you're preaching tonight is just kindergarten stuff, telling us to have faith and not fear. Well, I want you to know our rapture message comes from Psalms 27 and 1. This is the message of the rapture. Put that up for me. Psalms 27 and 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He is my deliverer. My salvation, he's my healer. Amen. He's my need supplier. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Amen, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And can I say to you tonight, what should we be afraid of? Amen, what should we be afraid of? Who should we be afraid of? What name is greater than the name of Jesus? Amen, every demon of hell, every cancer, every tuberculosis, every diabetes, every disease known to man has to bow to the name of Jesus Christ. For at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he rules Lord supreme over all. 
Hallelujah. Get me talking about his name. I'm going to go to shouting tonight. Amen. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom, of what name should I be afraid of? The Lord is the strength of my life. Amen. Of whom should I be afraid? That's a rapture message. What do we fear? What are you worried about? When the wicked, oh, now listen. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foe, came upon me to eat up my flesh, guess who stumbles? Guess who falls? It ain't those that have the rapture message. It ain't the believer. They're not going to stumble and fall. It's the enemy. Your enemy is going to stumble and fall. It can't prevail. Glory to God in the highest tonight. Amen. What am I talking about? With the wicked, my enemies. When that devil came against me, he's the one who stumbled. He's the one that falls. Hallelujah. Though a host. Now, wait a minute. This is an army. Host is the word for army. Though Satan's army should encamp against me. How many sham guards are in here? Amen. I wish you'd wake up your sham guard beside you. I'm preaching to him. Amen. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. What? The Lord is my light. Amen. What are my confidence? My, my confidence, he's my light and my salvation, my deliverer. What have I got to fear? What have I need to worry? Amen. He's the strength of my life. So who should, be, should I be afraid? Okay, now an army comes, but yet the Lord's the strength of my life. Who's greater, the army or me? Did somebody hang up on me? Do I, did I lose a connection? Did I somehow not get a message called failed? Let me dial you in again. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Amen. The war should not rise, should rise against me. In this will I be confident. What am I confident in? The Lord is the strength of my life. That greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. Who should I fear? One thing I have desired of the Lord. Now here comes the sincerity. This is one thing. Here's what my heart said. That I, that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the, the beauty of the Lord and acquire in his temple. Notice here. This is what I'll seek after. Here's the sincerity. For in the time of trouble... He will hide me in his shelter, in his pavilion. That's a shelter. Come on. So in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. 
Amen. Notice here in the secret. Oh, hallelujah. He will hide me so deep in him in the secret of his tabernacle and he will set me high on a rock. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies around about me. In his tent I will offer sacrifices and shoutings of joy I will sing. Yes, I will pray, sing praises unto the Lord. Are you with me now? This ought to cause your heart to sing tonight. Amen. My goodness, you got faith in your life. You may be unconscious of it, but there's faith in your life tonight. As a Christian, you can't be a Christian without having faith. And it's there. But it, need, it needs a stir. It needs an awakening. Amen. You know, there, there again, you know, you, you need to come and realize exactly who you are in Christ. You know, you need to prepare for a visitation. Amen. Come on. Amen. When I stood there that day in the hospital room, in the, in the, in the, when my wife was laying there with a brain bleed and, and a very serious condition, and they said, you don't know how serious this is. One hospital couldn't handle it, take it to another trauma center, put her in the ICU room, and there I was just confident. She'll be in, the, in this room tonight in the ICU. Tomorrow night she'll be in another room, in her own room, and the next night she'll be home. What was it? I was confident. And I began to speak out of my heart. Amen. As Brother Brandon said, you've got to work on that pulsation. Amen. You've got to work on that pulsation. She got home. And you know, when, you, you know when, when you're a believer, when you get a believer, you need, and you get a, an attack by the enemy, you need to start getting ready for a visitation. Because your healer, your God, is on his way. Amen. Just like the Hebrew children, they, they were getting ready for a visitation. Just like Daniel in a lion's den, he was getting ready for a visitation. But sometimes we don't get ready. Sometimes we get all out of sort. Oh, this trouble. Oh, this thing. And the devil puts fear upon us and we begin to worry about things. And you get all out of sorts. You get all out of sorts wondering what is the end of my life? What am I going to be like? I'm going to be just a vegetable in this bed. Will I never be able to function again? What will my life be? And you get all out of sorts. But you know, sometimes God in his mercy doesn't leave you like that. It was like Sarah that day. She was all out of sorts too. She'd been given promises for years and years and years and and, and, and it held on, held on until it was passed. And now she just give up. Now she don't want to hear about a baby. Brother Branham talks about her the day the angel came and said, she, she was out of sorts. And maybe life has got you to the place that you're out of sorts. 
where you just simply, I just can't even believe anymore. I've held on to promises. I've tried to believe. I've tried to hold on. I've tried to believe things have turned around and nothing's happened. That was Sarah. You know, she didn't prepare for visitation. But there was a visitation coming anyhow. Because many times the grace of God will override your bad attitude. Hallelujah. I'm giving hope for some of you sorry attitudes tonight. Amen. I'm giving you some hope that God can go, can write, can, can move beyond your, your attitude and get you to believe it. Amen. And this is what God had to do for Sarah. He had to turn her from that old sour attitude to start believing. Amen. So he sent, a, he sent the Elo, Elohim comes and discerns a heart in the tent behind him and lets her see the supernatural. Come on, somebody. What was God trying to do? Trying. He was changing her attitude toward the promise. The promise was just as good as it ever was. But her attitude had to be changed toward it. Now, the right mental attitude toward any divine promise that God will bring it to pass. So you see, in order to get the visitation, you're going to have to have a change of attitude. Hello. Amen. If you have an attitude, well, God healed, but he won't heal me. That's got to change. If you had an attitude, my case is too hard. Amen. That's got to change to where you realize there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Amen. If you got an attitude, you know, if you got an attitude, well, that happened in the prophet's ministry, but it won't happen today. You know, we're, we're, that, that attitude has got to change. Amen. But you can get in the right mental attitude toward the divine promise and say, that promise is for me. Amen. God is my healer. God is my provider. His word is the truth. It cannot fail. Amen. What are you doing? You're getting yourself ready for a visitation. That that day my wife laid on the bed feeling sorry for herself, out of sorts, looking at her future. How it would be, how would she function? How could she be a mother of her, of her children and grandchildren, a wife to her husband? How could she function as a pastor's wife? Look like those days are over. She can't even go to the bathroom by herself. Has to be helped. She, she's weak. She, her blood pressure is going crazy. All kinds of things that is happening in her body. And she's feeling there, so feeling sorry for her. Why did this happen to me? And how come this come along in my life? And why, what took place? place. What did I do? All these other things. And about that time, her thoughts began to change. And she began to do what Psalms 103 said, began to bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And when she began to praise the Lord, a visitation came, swept right down through our house, came right over her, her sight came back to her, to her eyes, and little Drew got up and walked and shouted, shouting as he walked all over that place. Amen, I'm talking about if God can make a little crippled child get up and walk because of a visitation. What can he do in this church tonight? Amen, with a visitation of the Holy Ghost. Oh, glory to God, I'm about to drunk. I don't know what to do tonight. Amen, I'm talking about a 
there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Amen. Brother Branham said, Satan was trying to tempt them to make them feel they had done something wrong, was trying to block the visitation that God was going to give Abraham and Sarah. He said, no matter, he said, no matter how bad it seems, remember it has to be. It has to be working for your good. Did anybody hear that? The Bible said all things. How many things is that? It's all inclusive, isn't it? All things work together for your good. Is that right? He said, and the worst thing that you can do is disbelieve God. And as soon as you get a little scared, maybe, well, I hadn't done this and I hadn't done that right. Right then, Satan's got that blessing conquered or blocked for you. You can't get it as long as Satan makes you think that. And perhaps if we would listen to such things of temptation like that, pay attention to them, then it would be that we would miss the blessing. As long as you're looking, well, I've tried before. I made an attempt before. You did too, didn't you, Jonathan? Made many attempts. But one day you let that anchor, that rope of sincerity down. And it gripped a rock. A rock of revelation that I'm God's child. And when that happened, cigarettes left. The old foul temper left. Things began to change. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh my, I'm trying to get you to awaken your faith tonight. Amen. Awaken it by hearing the word. There are 7,000 promises of healing in, in, in the Bible. 7,000 promises of deliverance, of his blessings, of his graces in the Bible. I say one of them is just as good as another. And one is just as powerful as another. And one has still got just as much life as it did every time it was used any other place. Amen. When Moses used it, when Daniel used it, when it, no matter whether it was all the way down to William Branham, anybody who used that promise, it was still just as good and still had the same power in it. And there's enough power in that word tonight. Awaken that faith by remembering his testimonies. Oh, my Lord, help me, Jesus. You've got to call Jesus on the scene. I wonder if there'd be somebody that would call on the name of the Lord. The Bible said if we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. We'd be delivered. We'd receive that deliverance in our life by calling on the name of the Lord. He's waiting, now waiting for you to call him on the scene. Because in all reality, he hasn't left. Come on, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So he hadn't left. And he is not the one that's asleep. Amen, because our God never slumbers or sleeps. He did that as a man, and a man could sleep, but he don't do that as God. God doesn't sleep. So we don't have to wake God up. 
We don't have to call him up and yell it up and wake him up and because he's asleep and shake him or whatever else. No, God wants you to shake your faith tonight and realize he's a faithful God. He's a present God. He's a present tense God for you tonight. It's you that needs to realize that same pillar of fire. Oh, God. That same pillar of fire is with us. He's moving in this building right now. Moving over this one and that one. Over here, over there. Trying to awaken faith. Trying to find somebody that will believe. Will I find that faith tonight? That I can honor that. That I can dip down to that person. That they can pull me right to their need right now. Amen. To realize that he's now among his people. Let me tell you something. When Brother Branham would pray for people with a sign in his hand, a lot of you people don't know this, but he would take a person by the hand and take him with his left hand, and he would take them there, and he would, he would hold them, and there would, be, there would be little bumps that would go across his hand that would, would, would indicate a disease of the life of a demon. He would know by that whether it was a, a life of a demon that was causing affliction or maybe it was an injury or this or that, the other or whatever, but the, it would show there. If it was a demon, it would do it. And, and he could tell by the way it moved, by the bumps it made, he, he learned to tell what and, and say, because he would see that one every time a t- TB would show up or heart, heart disease or, or um, some other situation would come. He, he, would, he would see cancer. It would do that. He would also notice, he come to realize that, that many times he would watch and he said those bumps on his hands would just start going wild. And they would just go to move and just thrashing around. And he said he realized that when it began to happen was because the demons were scared. And because that they were about to be exposed and would have to leave. Now then we done turned the tables. It ain't you that's supposed to be afraid. It's the devil that is supposed to be afraid of you. That when a believer stops believing. Hallelujah! Then what happens? The devil gets scared and goes to back it up. There ought to be some people tonight that say, I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. I claim my inheritance. I claim my promise right now in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Hallelujah! You ought to be on your feet tonight worshiping God saying, I receive it if not for myself or somebody else for this church. Every devil in hell is scared tonight because Jesus is looking down through angry eyes and saying, you come after my child. I'm coming after you tonight. The great eagle is spreading his wings. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Amen. Can you do it tonight? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. 
Can somebody do it with all that is within them? Amen. Begin to rejoice tonight and worship the name of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you tonight. We appreciate you. We glorify your name because you are worthy. You are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. And Satan, you can't stay any longer. Amen. The Word of God has exposed you tonight. You can't hold these people in fear. Amen. The fear of the Lord is upon you. You're not afraid of Tim Pruitt, but you're afraid of the Lord Jesus Christ. That pillar of fire that is here tonight, moving across this building, across in the lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, musicians. Come on. Amen. Sister Phyllis, it's your time. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. He still gives sight to the blind. He still opens up the eyes. In the name of Jesus tonight, I rebuke this demon of hell that would want to take a place sight from our sister. And I curse you in the name of Jesus. And I claim the blood that was shed at Calvary. Amen. Hallelujah. She's in the attitude of receiving now. Amen. Just go to worship in God. Amen. Oh, that men might praise the name of the Lord. Lord of God in the highest. Amen. Turn around there. Amen. Open your eyes there and believe with all your heart. Right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's God's word. It's his promise. God's here to confirm his word with signs following them that believe. How many believers are in the building tonight? Amen. Then thank him with all of your heart. In Jesus' name, we glorify. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He ain't through yet. He ain't through moving over this place. He ain't through touching lives. Amen. You ask him to come to your pew right now. He'll fill with the Holy Ghost. He'll set the vilest sinner free. He'll break the chains of darkness off your life. Amen. This is a God, a God of power, a God of grace, a God of mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're not looking for a miracle. We're looking for healing. Amen. But the healing itself is a miracle. Receive it now in the name of Jesus Christ. You that are listening in and watching this service, no. I tell you, there was a woman sitting there listening to me preach one night full of diabetes so bad she it couldn't be controlled. And the Holy Spirit came as I ministered the word of God and broke the chain of that diabetes and healed her. Amen. Thousands of miles away. Amen. I know of another woman sitting there one day. A little woman and she come to me and she said, Brother Tim, I was dying. I was on my deathbed. And they brought me a tape of you preaching. And I was sitting there listening to that tape. Listening to you preach the word of God. And the spirit of God moved upon me. And I got off of my deathbed. And I'm still alive. Glorifying God to this day. Because God still heals. And God still delivers. 
baby does that Ashlon Spencer. Amen. When I carried the prayers of the saints in that room and God healed him and raised him up for the glory of God because he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You got a song. Thank you, Lord. Just in this quietness now. Just accept it for yourself right now. All things are possible. For my children, Lord. For my spouse. For me. For this church. For the body of believers around the world. I believe I'm a believer, Lord. The Holy Ghost, I need my life for deliverance from sin, from habits. All things are possible. Oh, Jesus. Now, let's sing this Lord, I receive. Lord. that depth of sincerity I was there when his faith took hold of the promise it was at that point I began to speak to the demons that had tormented him and it was at that moment that healing began in his body it would be two or three four days or so before he walked out of that hospital It'd be a month or two before they'd reconnect his bowels where they would operate instead of a bag on the side. But Jesus had healed him. He found an anchor. He wants you to find an anchor tonight. 
Amen. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, he breaks all the gloom, fills the life with glory. Won't you let him come to your pew tonight? Let him take away the shame, the darkness, the iniquity, the sin, and bring you into love life with him. Let's sing it again. Jesus is here. talking about it 
there in the car, the truck that day, the Holy Spirit, the angel Lord came in the room, in the car. His beard stuck out. Looked like a man that would die. And he said, he's come to me thousands of times. It's like I could just about die, Brother Eddie. Just a few moments later and around the bend, there was that meat that he needed. And he said, when he comes, something good always happens. I'm convinced something good's happening tonight. Because Jesus has come. He's come for you. You're a recipient of that grace tonight. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. Oh,